Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. I'm holding a book now that encourages readers to open their lives to God's will. It's titled God's Loving Light, and it's written by Martha Elizabeth Mills. And right now we're going to talk all about this. The author, who goes by Elizabeth, is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Elizabeth, can you tell me all about God's loving light? What can readers expect when they open this up? I think that it would be a wonderful experience for the family or caregivers or someone that the child is really close to to share together. Hmm. Because I use nature in itself. I use animals and regular nature to tell how to see God's loving light. Hmm. Because in this day and time, there's so much darkness and negative things going on that children just need to see that there's a light there that they can rely on. And that they are very important and created by the great one who created us all. Elizabeth, what was it that motivated you or inspired you to get started on this book? Just the devastation of negative thoughts and people not accepting one another, which I find ridiculous. We're all human beings, mm-hmm. and that we should respect nature and all of creation as well. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, did you have a certain group of readers in mind, like a target audience you were going for here? Yes, mostly up through about middle school, but I do feel like if there's a large family group, that reading this as a family would be fun to interact with all of them looking as, as they go about their day for God's loving light, such as the animals, the trees, the grass, flowers, just everything all around them, beautiful waterfalls. I'm a nature fanatic, by the way. <laughs> I can tell. That's wonderful. Elizabeth, once you got started on this, how long of a process was it for you, including that whole publishing process? I began writing it in 2018, and I started writing down notes and thoughts, what I wanted to do and go by. And then my parents were here with Hurricane Michael, and I wound up receiving my mom here, and she had to go into a nursing home. She had a major stroke during that hurricane. Mm. So we wound up helping to take care of her. Of course, she's my main inspiration. She always had children around her. She had taught in the church. We helped start a school that became a full-fledged from preschool all the way to high school down in St. Petersburg, where I grew up. Mm. So children are just the love of our lives. <laughs> we enjoy children and find that they're very important in the world. Elizabeth, when it comes to writing and publishing, everything like that, have you ever done it before? I have been a published poet, but this is the first time that I've been a published book author. Oh, congratulations. So that was really exciting to me. Oh, I'll bet. Was it equally as exciting whenever you got that first copy in, you actually got to hold this thing? Oh, my goodness, yes. That was a (laughs) thrill. I was like, I'm finally getting to see this. 
And the size of it was impressive. It was so nice to see that it was 8 by 10. It wasn't a small book, one that could easily be shared, and I love that. Mm. And I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of doing this. So did you pick up anything that you could offer as advice to the aspiring authors listening? I believe just do whatever is in your heart because that's what's going to come out in the end. Mm. This joy or, or whatever it is you're doing it for, if it's a book on grieving or a book on romance, whatever you want to share from your heart, that's what comes out beautiful. What are the chances, Elizabeth, that we're going to see more books from you in the future? Well, I have written activity book to go along with God's Loving Life for hmm. parents or caregivers. And I've begun to start showing some friends of mine that have children that I think a lot of and highly of, and they find it wonderful. I know a lot of people will definitely be encouraged by this book. I encourage everybody who is listening right now to seek this out. Again, it's titled God's Loving Light. It's written by Martha Elizabeth Mills, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Elizabeth, thank you again for coming on the show and telling me about God's loving light. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much for allowing me to visit with you. Tales of Woo Woo, Volume 1. It's the new book. It just hit stores. It's written by Michael J. Karras. And here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about it. Michael is here with me. Michael, welcome. I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Michael, what can readers expect whenever they open up Tales of Woo Woo, Volume 1? I think they'll have a very fun journey. The stories were meant to be entertaining. And they got a little positive message in each one. Mm. And of course, it's really my daughter's creation more than anything, Tiffany, because when she was little, she had a stuffed dog she called Woo Woo, and she used to pretend they went on adventures together. And that's kind of where the idea of the book started, was from her playing around with Woo Woo. I used to watch her, and I got a kick out of some of the things she would come up with, because my daughter was like me, very creative, and she loved stories. So I figured this was a good way to honor her. Michael, I take it this is a children's book. What kind of children do you think would be most into it? I'd say the elementary school age, maybe even a little younger. But I got to admit, my dad was reading the book. (laughs) (laughs) And he was asking me, is Tiffany ever going to find out about Woo Woo? (laughs) I love it. So I guess all, I mean, a lot of people at my work, I work at Bank of America. A lot of people have gotten the book that are maybe a little bit older. Now their kids are loving it. But even some of the adults are, are liking it. Hmm. So, And I love the illustrations. The cover's really nice. Can you tell me about the art? That was done by uh, Sophia. I don't really know how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> Sorry. I met her through, um, it, was, it was one of those online things where you can hire some people. Hmm. That's actually where I, I met Laura Soriana. She uh, helped me write. She's helping me with all my writing because there's a lot of other books that are going to be coming. Hmm. Yeah, she's an author herself, also a teacher. I met her through there. And the actual original idea for the story came from the person that cut my hair. Her name's Helen. She also cut Tiffany's hair and, my, of course, my boy Jordan pretty much for the last, I don't know, 15, 10, 10 years. And she said, you know, you want to do something about Tiffany's relationship with her stuffed dog because she used to take it around with her. Um, you know, call it Tales of Woo Woo. That was actually her idea. And then I thought, wow, that would be kind of cool. And, and we just came up with 
you know, different stories. Maybe she, like the movie one's a good for example. I literally took her to a movie when she was about three. Uh, we were actually going to see New York Minute <laughs> with the Olsen twins. We got in there and they played a preview for the day after tomorrow. It actually ended up being a mistake. Oh, wow. And she got so scared she was crying. <laughs> well, after that, I mean, and the whole rest of that story, she's determined she's not going to be afraid of stories and movies, you know? Mm. And she actually, when she was seven, she watched Jaws by herself. She had wow. some um, Jurassic Park and she loved the T-Rex. And that's when she was about five, she watched that. So she really wanted wow. to watch Jaws. In real life, she kind of watched it by herself. But I had her cousin Marissa to make it a you know good lesson of should I go check on my cousin <laughs> or should I watch the end of the movie? <laughs> so you know, and with the with the urging of woo woo, she decides oh, I need to go check on my friends and my cousin. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, when you think about writing it and publishing it, what kind of a time frame was this? Was it a long time or did it happen pretty quickly? The stories. I mean, obviously, after her accident in October of 2021, I started thinking about it the following year, probably in the springtime. And they were pretty much written within six months. Originally, there was actually 15 stories. Those other five will be in the next book. <laughs> so it, it took about six months. I worked a little bit with, like I said, Laurel. And we play well off each other. I'll write a part of the draft, and she comes back and kind of edits it for me. And then I come out with new ideas. And we just kind of go back and forth. So, hmm. Well, this book it has a great message. I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by it. I encourage everybody listening to go seek this one out. Again, it's titled Tales of Woo Woo, Volume 1. It's written by Michael J. Karras and published by Covenant Books. And you can find it everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Michael, it's been so wonderful talking with you tonight and hearing about this story and about everything that went into it. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to you today, Corey. First, the fire, then the lie. That's the new audio book. It just came out. It's written by Elaine Nelson. And we're going to talk all about it right now because Elaine is sitting right here with me. Elaine, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to learn all about first the fire, then the lie. So, Elaine, can you tell me all about this? Yes, it is about when my mother suddenly had a tragic incident with a old boyfriend. And when it was all said and done, then she seemed to have some mental problems, was diagnosed with schizophrenia. And myself and all my siblings were placed into a foster home, into different foster homes. And from there, the story, I feel like I was born into the fire, and that's where the fire kind of comes from at five years old. Elaine, what inspired you to write this story for the world and have it published? Because I had heard so many different people saying different things that had happened to them, and they were just devastated and couldn't seem to move on with their lives. Hmm. And they were one or two or three different things that had happened to me. And I just thought, you know what, you can move on if, you know, you just have to, it's a little different. You have to, whether you pray or you reach your higher power or wherever means you want to go, but you just have to be positive and push forward if that's your choice. Hmm. And I chose to be positive 
and wanted to have a normal family was my goal. And so I decided as a child, I was going to see that through regardless of what it took. Mm. And I wanted other people to be able to draw from my strength of pushing through and see there is light at the end of the tunnel and don't ever give up. What a wonderful message, Elaine. But when it comes to writing, publishing, have you ever done this kind of thing before? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) This is my first book, and no, I had not. And so I have been told I have a gift in writing Mm. and as well as in art, but because I'm, you know, not experienced in it. And so writing my first book, I had a lot of people say, I can't believe that's your first book, but it is my first book. Well, congratulations. Did it take you a long time to do it being your first one? Absolutely not. I actually wrote it during COVID, during the shutdown. I had little notes in different pieces of it from the past years of just writing in little notebooks, Hmm. but I couldn't understand how to put it together. And so I actually went, uh, after being unsuccessful and showing it to some friends and family, my manuscript, and then got laughed at. And then I went to the web. I went to the web and looked up how to write paragraphs and how to form chapters. And that's where I learned that all through COVID and through prayer. I can only imagine whenever you actually got to hold your book for the first time after all that work and time you put into it, Elaine, what was that like for you? It was just overwhelming. It was so exciting to actually be accepted by publishing company number one was just over the moon. And then to see that book in my hand, I was just all elated. And I'm still elated. (laughs) (laughs) Would you do it again? Do you think you got more books in you? I do. I actually have four more books in me, and it's a series. This particular First of Fire and Then the Lie is a series of the four books. Mm. So uh, hopefully this time, it will be around this time next year, people should find the second book on the shelf. Is there anything you picked up along the way that maybe you can toss out there as advice to the aspiring authors? Yes. One, don't listen to anyone who says your book is not good enough to be published. Mm. And once you start with a publishing company, you have to just kind of be open for corrections in different ways. In my case, it was easy for me to be open because it was my first book and I knew I needed help. Well, this is definitely an audio book I think a lot of people are going to want to check out. It's titled First the Fire, Then the Lie. It's written by Elaine Nelson, and of course, the audiobook is published by the Audiobook Network. So it's available everywhere, like Audible and the Apple iTunes Store, and also on Amazon, just anywhere that you buy your audiobooks. Elaine, it's been wonderful speaking with you here tonight. Thank you so much for joining me and telling me all about this. Well, it's been my pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you again on the second book. Joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, telling me all about his new book, Classified, a reference book for government contractors, author Henry Vinson. Henry, thank you for joining me. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate it. So, Henry, what is Classified all about? Can you tell me what readers can expect here? Sure, sure. Classified is kind of a play on words, to be honest. My background has been as a federal contracting officer. Then I retired from that and worked for the University of Texas at Arlington, who had a contract with the Department of Defense. 
to help people that wanted to do contracting and then to help people that were already doing contracting. Hmm. And I did that for 13 years. I retired last year from that. So what happened was I kept seeing problems coming up, Corey, over and over and over, the same problems over and over and over. Now, there was quite a few of them, but these problems is what this book is all about. So what I've done is I've written this book and tried to categorize these problems and classifying a simple play on words, it means to categorize subjects or problems in a publication. I love it. So I have categorized these different problems. And I think one of the things that makes the book kind of unique is it can help you if you're new at this or you're getting started in it, and it can help you avoid the problems. But I like to look at it as my publisher kind of steered me in this direction. It's also a reference book because mm. it's something if you have a contract, and you get in a problem, you have one of these problems, you can go back to it and see how maybe how you can get out of it. Yeah, sounds like a fantastic book, Henry. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or being published? I did. I published one book with Christian Faith Publishing uh, about four years ago. Yeah, I had one book. Yeah. About how long did Classified take you to write once you sat down, clear through the whole publishing thing, too? Well, it took well over four years. That's kind of working on and off. I don't I don't know if there's such thing as writer's block or not, but I know that I would go for three or four weeks and I, I didn't want to do anything on it. And so uh, it took, a, you know, and, and then when I really felt good about it is when and, and when I wanted to write, I really enjoyed it. I'm thinking it took close to five years, maybe less than five, something like that. After that five years, all the hard work that went into it, finally, you get your first copy in, Henry. You get to hold it in your hands and your name's on the cover, all of that. That must have been a crazy moment for you. What was that like? I think it's exciting. Yeah, it's exciting to hold something like that, knowing that, hey, this thing is going to survive you. Mm. This thing is going to be something that may be useful for years to come. It's pride. I think it's pride and it's exciting. Yeah, it's fun. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of publishing and writing for the first time, Henry. Do you have anything you picked up that you could offer as advice to the aspiring authors? Well, yeah. I think if you're concerned, a lot of people can write a book. They just, like me, didn't do it. They, they needed to be pushed. And mm. I think they maybe don't know where to start. Well, a good place to start is to go to a Christian Faith Publishing website and get their guide on, uh, on, on how to write a book. Mm, great idea. And then if you get that, after you get that guide and you go through it, then what I do is I put everything in an outline, and then after I get an outline, I try to make the outline have a chronological order of events. You don't, you know, you kind of want them to go together, and then rely on your publisher to to help you. Uh, you just call them, and they'll get you going in the right way. So, Henry, have you given thought to maybe writing another? I have. I've got a couple more. I've got one that that I want to. My next one, I want to get out of the way because it's it's in the back of my mind. I need to get it out of there. I grew up in a um, place in northern Middle Tennessee, right on the Kentucky line, a place called Land Between the Lakes. And uh, some of the things that I experienced there, my wife is pushing me to to get that on paper. And then I have a couple of, I don't know if you call it, yeah, novels, I guess. I like nonfiction, but uh, I like things that are, that's history that's based on real events. Mm. So I've got a couple of those lined up. Fantastic. Well, I know this book is going to help an awful lot of people out there, and I encourage you to check it out. Again, it's titled Classified, a reference book for government contractors, written by Henry Vinson and published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
And you can find it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, anywhere that you get your books. Well, Henry, it's been great talking with you tonight and learning about Classified. I hope we get to talk again sometime. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate you, buddy. Joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Susan Fern. Susan, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. What's really exciting, congratulations. You have a new book out in stores. It's called Stormy. Susan, tell me about this book. What can readers expect? Sure. It's about a little white cumulus cloud. He's very small, and he experiences an identity kind of problem where he's trying to figure out where he's supposed to be in life because after a couple of other clouds greet him in the sky, they wonder why you know such a little cloud could be named Stormy. Hmm. And so he goes through a couple of dreams and ideas, and he finally figures out what he's supposed to be. Susan, what kinds of readers do you think would enjoy this book the most? Young readers, but it's definitely a book that parents can read to their children because it really tackles social-emotional aspect of, you know, anyone who's just had an experience in their life where they're wondering where they go next and actually, you know, what their purpose is in life. Hmm. Susan, can you think about what sparked you, what inspired you to sit down and write this book? Absolutely. So last year, around in the springtime, I went through a divorce. Hmm. And I was actually looking for, you know, my next purpose in life because two years prior to that, my one and only son went off to college, leaving us empty nesters. And so I was kind of looking for my own identity of where do I go from here? Once you sat down, started writing this, about how long did it take you? What sort of time span are we talking about here before it got out to stores? Oh, well, I really wrote it in a couple of weeks. And something I've always wanted to do in college was write a children's book. And it really took a life lesson for the story to come to me. And I wrote the words down and I just clicked submit one day. And Christian Faith Publishing accepted my manuscript. And within six to eight months, it went from approval to finally being published. Then that day came and you got to actually hold this physical book in your hands. Uh, what was that yes. moment like for you? Oh, it was surreal because, again, a, just a lifelong dream that mm. would I ever be an author and have my book that's going to be passed down from here on out, that it'll be available to anyone. But it's one of those bucket lists that I can check off. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of publishing this book, Susan. Uh, do you have any advice, anything that you learned along the way that you could pass on to the aspiring authors listening? Oh, just, you know, everyone has a story to tell. Mm. And that's what I, you know, came to realize as I was always looking for, you know, what do I need to write about? Because I've always been interested in writing a children's book, but I never knew the subject matter. And I think if anyone just looks into their own experiences They'll find something. And, you know, if you can dream it, you can do it. Mm, great advice. Now, when you think about the writing, the publishing, everything that was involved in this, what did you find the most challenging part of the whole thing? I would say trying to give, I had my idea of what I pictured the book and what I thought Stormy looked like. And just trying to convey that to the illustrators so they could put my pictures, make them come to life. Hmm. And I think that was the hardest because 
they would send me a picture and I'd say, oh, can you change this a little bit and that? So that definitely was the hardest. Now, did you ever sit down to write, Susan, and then nothing's coming out? Do you ever get writer's block? And then how do you get past it? Not the first book. Really, it came to me on my way to work one morning and I started jotting down things. And then, like I said, over a period of a couple of weeks, I just sat down and wrote some more. But yeah, I find it hard to actually finalize a book. I think, it, you know, any story can always be improved and go through some more editing stages. But yeah, I think, you know, just sitting down and doing some research, too, because I, mm. it made me look up some ideas about storm clouds and just clouds in general in the sky. So that kind of helped as well. Mm. I think an awful lot of readers are really going to love this book. Again, it's titled Stormy, written by Susan Fern published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find it everywhere. So go to Amazon, go to Barnes & Noble or iTunes, take a walk down the street to your local bookstore, and you'll be able to get it. Well, Susan, thank you so much for coming on here, telling me all about Stormy and about your work. I had a nice time chatting. Thank you. I did too, and I hope everyone enjoys the book as much as I enjoyed writing it. We'll be talking about wealth and what the Bible really says about being rich or being poor when we discuss this new book by Earl E. Thomas Jr. It's titled Prosperity, Wealth, and Abundance. It's God's idea, dispelling the satanic lie of poverty, debt, and lack in the body of Christ. Earl is with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about it. Earl, welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. It's my pleasure. Earl, can you tell me all about this book? What have you written in Prosperity, Wealth, and Abundance? Prosperity, Wealth, and Abundance is basically God's concept from the Scripture about how He wants His children to live. The covenant that we have in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8, 18, and the covenants that we have in the New Testament in Second Chronicles 8 and 9. As you know, covenants cannot be broken. They're established by God, and they cannot be broken. Hmm. So it's God's concept of how he wants his children to live. So many examples in the Old Testament of God, how the Bible specifically said God blessed his children with wealth and abundance. Yet now in the New Testament, we want to preach against, quote unquote, the prosperity preacher or those that bring prosperity into the body of Christ. There's no such thing as a prosperity preacher, but there is a concept that God has in his Bible. And after a seven years study, it's God's idea about his children being wealthy. Earl, what gave you the idea to write this? What sparked you to sit down and say, I got to get started on this one? Well, actually, it was an idea of the Holy Spirit. It took me about seven years to write this book. I'm into really my eighth year now, but I was riding in my car and I was listening to a, a local book show. And this was several years ago when the program, The Preachers of L.A., was on TV. Mm. And many people on the talk show were talking positive or negative, whether men of God or, you know, pastors or anybody in the body of Christ could live at that level of wealth. And I was on my way home from the store. I had to go back to the store again, and there was a second talk show on, basically talking about the same subject. Many people were calling in positive and negative about what people could live in, basically in the body of Christ. And as I was on my way home the second time, the Spirit of the Lord said, you know, there's something funny about everybody calling in that radio show. He said, if they're talking about the Bible and men and women who represent me, he said, but nobody has asked me my opinion. And then he said the second time, surely if they're talking about the Bible and people who represent me from a biblical concept, somebody should ask me my opinion. 
it struck me very strange. But when I got home, I started studying what the Holy Ghost whispered to me. What is God's opinion? Because in the whole universe, God's opinion is the only opinion that matters. Mm -hmm. Your opinion, my opinion, the bishop's opinion, the apostle's opinion. It's only God's opinion that matters. In the end time, we're going to give an account for how he tells us to live. So I began a personal study about what God's opinion was. What was God's opinion from Scripture about what he told us to live and how he told us to live? So after a couple of months, I had a notebook of notes about God's opinion. So he said to me again, he says, now I want you to take all those notes and I want you to put them together in a book. And he told me that the title for the book is Prosperity, Wealth and Abundance. It's God's idea. That's the main topic. It's God's idea. So the whole book is about what God says about, not my opinion, your opinion, anybody else's opinion. Well, what is God's opinion? And then he gave me the second title of the book. It's a very long title, Dispelling the Satanic Lie of Poverty, Debt, and Lack in the Body of Christ. So he also wanted me to expose how people preach against prosperity and wealth. It's abundant in the Old Testament, but why do we preach poverty, debt, and lack in the New Testament? Was this the first time you've been published, Earl? Yes, it is. I've, I've written as a teenager. I've always loved to read. Mm. I used to write short stories and short plays, but nothing I was ever thought that I would be able to publish anything. But once the Holy Ghost inspired me to write this, it was just, it was seven years, but it was an ongoing experience of revelation after revelation after revelation from the Word of God. This is certainly an interesting book. I think a lot of people are going to be into this. Again, the title is Prosperity, Wealth, and Abundance. It's God's Idea, Dispelling the Satanic Lie of Poverty, Debt, and Lack in the Body of Christ. Again, it's written by Earl E. Thomas, Jr., published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can get it everywhere like Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or down the street at your local bookshop. Earl, it's been wonderful having you on the show and finding out all about this really interesting book. I had a nice time talking. Thank you. I did, too. Thanks for the invitation. The Adventures of Codeman and Dosky, Episode 1, The Importance of Losing. It's the new book. It just came out, written by C. Christopher Weaver. And right now, we're going to talk all about it. Christopher is here with me. Christopher, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. Thanks for having me on. It's all my pleasure, Christopher. Can you tell me what readers will expect here whenever they open up The Adventures of Codeman and Dosky? Well, The Adventures of Codeman and Dosky was actually written based on a story that I had with my son. And it's basically for children to learn the importance of losing is just as important as learning winning. Hmm. The lessons you can learn along the way. And it's for children to have different experiences through sports, just playing games. And just lessons as they grow to be able to uh, handle difficult situations. I love it. What sparked you to write this? What gave you the idea? As I mentioned, it was a situation with my son. It was his first year playing tackle football. His team went undefeated all season long. And the very first game of the playoffs, they played a team that they had already beaten early on. So they thought it was going to be an easy win, and they lost. Oh, wow. They expected to win the entire championship, and they took it very hard. Mm. So on the way home, we had the conversation about never underestimate your opponent, how important losing is, that you need to learn to try harder, different ways you need to improve yourself. Those lessons, it's a lot harder to lose than it is to win, <laughs> but it is important. Right. Oh, I'm really glad that you took that moment that might have been negative in their minds, and you turned it into a positive, into a learning moment. and. Really, that's what you've incorporated here. I love it. That is correct. Yes, thank you. 
Now, when it comes to writing and publishing and things like that, Christopher, have you, have you ever done anything like it before? You know, this is actually the first book that I have written. I have several now <laughs> that are kind of in the wings that I'm, I'm ready to try and get those published as well. But this is my very first step, my very first book that is published, and I plan on this one being a series. I have another one that's already uh, accepted through Christian Faith Publishing. And I'm looking to get that one started right away. Oh, congratulations. It's such a big deal. You know, you. Christopher, so many people say, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And how many of those people actually do it? And so you're one that actually followed through and you did it. And it was a huge deal. So kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was actually a dare from my wife. I dare oh, you really? to write this. Other kids need to hear this. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you should share the story. And I took it from there and the rest is history. There you go. It was a challenge. You had to meet it. Indeed. I love it. <laughs> So that day comes, Christopher, and you finally get your first copy in. You get to hold the book. Your name's on the cover and everything. It had to be a crazy moment for you. Can you tell me about it? It was very exciting. My wife actually got her cell phone out and recorded me opening the box, mm. holding it for the first time. And it was amazing. I got to share that with my family. Oh, wow. All my kids were there. It was, it was amazing. And doing this kind of thing for the first time can be quite the learning experience. I'm sure you're aware of that. So... Is there anything you picked up along the way that you could throw out there as sort of advice for the aspiring authors? I did. First off, I thought it was going to be a very intimidating process, and it really wasn't. It was very easy. Now, there are a lot of things that I did underestimate, <laughs> a lot of things that you have to decide with your book exactly, you know, to make it the way you want it to come out. The message, the pictures, the illustrations, and, and the editing and things of that nature. So, there was definitely a lot more to it. It was a longer process than I thought than just sitting down and writing it and sending off a manuscript. But it was very exciting. Each step of the way was exciting. Know that you're getting closer and closer. And now going forward, I have that experience and I'm ready to just run with it and keep putting books out. Wonderful. How long of a time frame was this once you started it clear up until it was published? For me to write the book, it was actually about a half hour to 40 minutes. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Since I had the story to base it off of. Yeah. <laughs> the writing part was the easy part. From start to finish, about eight months to a year. From the start that it got approved for the manuscript till it was actually published, printed. So it is kind of a slower process, but it's exciting every step of the way. Absolutely. Well, I think a lot of people are really going to love this book. It has such a great message. I encourage everybody out there to seek it out. It's titled... The Adventures of Codeman and Doski, Episode 1, The Importance of Losing. This is written by C. Christopher Weaver and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere. So get on Amazon, go on to Barnes & Noble or iTunes, take a walk down the street to your local bookstore, and you'll be able to pick this up. Well, Christopher, thank you so much for telling me all about this book. Again, I love the message. Thank you so much for doing it. I had a really nice time talking with you tonight. Thank you so much, Corey, and I once again appreciate you giving me the call. Where Birds Go to Die. It's the new book, In Stores Now. It's written by Hannah Hardman. And right now, here at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about this book. Hannah is with me. Hannah, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Hannah, what's this book all about? What can readers expect in Where Birds Go to Die? Yeah. So on a literal level, it is about a young Jewish girl with a vivid imagination and her older brother journeying through each atrocity of World War II in Austria, Czechoslovakia. Hmm. But on a philosophical level, this book explores the human experience as a whole through the eyes of a child. It's not only about a girl and her brother trying to outlive harsh circumstances, but more so about what the human soul is capable of under persecution. 
the beautiful imaginations the mind comes up with to endure, the power to reform one's predispositions, the frailty of the mind and heart. It's not so much about one girl's journey from happiness to devastation as it is about representing humanity as a whole. And can you tell me what sparked you? What gave you the idea to sit down and start writing this book? Yeah, so actually, it was a horror story prompt in my creative writing class back when I was in high school. That was the prompt. But I was inspired with like my own personal experiences in life and the personal lives of those in my life, like my family. Now, when it comes to writing and publishing, all of that, Hannah, have you ever done this before, or is this your first time? This is my first time, my, my very first time. Congratulations. Did this take you a really long time, then, to do, being your first time? Yeah, yes. I wrote this book over the course of about five years. Well, then that five years goes by, and finally, in the mailbox, there it is, that first copy. You get to hold your book, Hannah. That's got to be a crazy moment. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, so when I opened the door and I found the box of my books on my porch for the first time, I actually had to lay on the ground because I was so excited. I, was, I felt <laughs> like I was going to sleep. <laughs> and I'm sure you learned an awful lot along the way of doing this for the first time. It can be such a learning experience. So what did you pick up along the way that you might be able to throw out there to the authors listening that are just starting out? I would suggest reading the classics from different eras and parts of the world. Don't limit yourself to only a Western style of writing, if, of course, you live in the West. Learn poetry, study art, listen to Tchaikovsky. I really believe that writing is most rich when there are elements of these influences. That's good advice. Something else that was also interesting that you mentioned was this is all born out of a prompt years ago. And just using those writing prompts, you can find those anywhere online, and there are books full of them out there. But you never know where one of these prompts is going to lead you. Right, exactly. So do you plan on writing and publishing more in the future? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I'm currently writing a sort of a fever dream about a schizophrenic man in Soviet Russia currently hmm. who runs away to Moscow to be a poet, but he absolutely fails at it. It's my, my first attempt at writing surrealism, and it is by far my favorite style to write. Oh, I love your creativity and, and everything that you're weaving together there, Hannah. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you. So, Hannah, when you do write, you know, some people, they love to stay up really late or they like to get up really early and that's their time to write. But others, they just write whenever the time is there or whenever the ideas are hitting them. What kind of writer would you say you are? Uh, I am definitely a night owl. Yes, I, I can't write unless I'm up at like two in the morning just <laughs> in my bed writing by myself. And are you the kind of writer that sort of has things planned out, maybe have an outline and kind of know how the events are all going to unfold? Or do you just start writing like with a prompt and then just kind of discover what happens from there? No. So it usually starts with a feeling. The feeling will spring up in me out of nowhere. So just when I pass a certain house on the street or I hear a certain sound, it strikes up a feeling in me that I don't understand. And then I take that feeling and I give it color and characters and words. I never outline it, though, because to me, it's a death grip to structure art. So often when I have no idea what will happen in the next chapter, I write a random chapter title that sounds interesting, <laughs> and then I go from there. Only when it's finished, I go back and tie the scenes together into a coherent story. If I don't feel nostalgic and, yeah, emotionally attached, I know the story's dead. Oh, I love it. I think there are a lot of people, a lot of readers really going to love this book. I encourage my listeners to seek this out. Again, titled, Where Birds Go to Die. It's written by Hannah Hardman, published by Christian Faith Publishing. 
And you can get it everywhere, so head on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or your local bookshop and you'll be able to find this book. Oh, Hannah, it's been wonderful talking with you today. I really enjoyed learning about your process and all about this book. I hope we get to talk again. Yes, thank you so much. If you build it, they will excel. Leadership Principles for Building a Culture of Excellence in the Hospitality Industry. That's a new book. It's in stores now, written by Khalid Sheikh. And we're talking about this right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. I got Khalid right here with me. Khalid, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. Absolutely. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here as well, Khalid. Can you tell me about If You Build It, They Will Excel? What do readers find here? Well, the book is written to guide and coach today's hospitality services managers, how to become more effective and accomplished leaders rather than just manage their business. Mm. This is how to build a culture of excellence at the workplace. Because my experience, I've served 45 years approximately in the hospitality services industry. Oh, wow. I have served regular restaurant customers, cafeteria customers, patient meals. In the hospitals, I have overseen the environmental services. So what, I'm, what my experience has been that when the employees leave the company, they're really not leaving the company. They're leaving the poor workplace environment, and they're leaving bad bosses. Hmm. So what this book teaches is how to build a culture where the employees would actually enjoy coming to work every day and perform and excel and have longevity at their jobs with your company. So to simplify what I just said is it teaches how to focus on people first, treat them with respect, compassion, sincerity, and appreciation. And it also teaches and coaches actually provide guidance on how to carry a leader's mindset. It all begins with your mindset and how to build great teams and how to communicate effectively and celebrate both your employees and the organization's successes on a regular basis. So it is more of a leadership than how to manage your business. And how long did this take you, Khalid? Was this a really long process? So I used to write small articles on several different subjects after I retired in my LinkedIn profile. So a lot of hmm. people liked what I was saying in different articles. So I decided to write a book on this subject since I wanted to share my experience with the rest of the hospitality industry. So yeah, it took me about, I would say from start to finish, the day I thought that I want to write a book to the day it went to the publisher, it was about four, four and a half months, about four and a half months. And then it takes easily another three to four months for the whole process from the time they accept your transcript to the time the book is actually published, it took about four months. It's an awful long time to be putting into this. A lot of hard work goes into writing and publishing, Khalid, as you well know. So when that day came, you finally get your first physical copy in, and you actually get to hold this thing you've been working on all that time. What was that like? <laughs> it's great. You know, you, you're sharing your knowledge, your expertise, with especially the, the new and upcoming managers and trying to help them become successful leaders. And I saw the book because I designed the cover myself. Hmm. So it was very exciting. And, uh, you know, you feel a sense of accomplishment. That's where I was. 
Well, Khalid, is there anything you picked up along the way, anything you learned that maybe you could pass on to the first-time authors out there, give them some advice? Yes, because I was a first-time author, and if I was going to advise, it would be have a clear vision of what you're writing about and make a lot of notes and do a lot of research and then work very closely with the publishing director, which I was very happy to work with, the publishing director named Zach. And then you have to spend time to edit properly and coach and guide the publishing company, your vision, etc. So it's a lengthy process, but it's worth once it's published. I think this is definitely a book that's going to benefit the hospitality industry, much needed. And I encourage listeners to go ahead and check this out. Again, it's titled, If You Build It, They Will Excel, Leadership Principles for Building a Culture of Excellence in the Hospitality Industry. Again, this is written by Khalid Sheikh. It's published by Newman Springs Publishing, and it's available everywhere. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, you'll find this everywhere. Well, Khalid, it's been wonderful talking with you tonight and learning about this really important book. I had a nice time chatting with you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it as well. The book that I'm looking at now tackles the interpretation of the biblical account of creation. It's titled, More Than Meets the Eye, A Scientist's Journey of Faith. This is written by Thomas L. Larry, Ph.D., and right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, we're going to talk all about this book. Thomas is here with me. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Well, it's great to be with you. Thomas, can you tell me about what you've written in More Than Meets the Eye? What can readers expect here? Well, in a word, it's a book that focuses on faith. You know, not just faith in a passive sense. When I mean faith, I mean faith, the faith that drives the way you, you live, what, what motivates you, what your beliefs are. Mm-hmm. But it's also about reason and the importance of applying reason to the claims of whatever you believe. You know, using reason enables us to affirm that what we believe conforms to reality. So more of the MCI, of course, is the main title of the book, but it's also a subtitle. Like you said, it's a, a scientist's journey of faith. So what I mean here is that the book is very personal. Mm. It's not meant to be an academic study. It's a personal journey. And I'm hoping the reader will follow me on my personal journey as they make their own personal journey, which won't be the same as mine. In the book, I discuss various lessons I've learned as I sought to harmonize my faith in Christ and the Bible of my passion for science and all the wonderful things that science has discovered. Scientific knowledge is derived from the observable world of the senses and instruments designed to augment our senses. And I go into that in the book and also point out how biblical knowledge, of course, comes from the Bible, which is a collection of writings composed in historical and cultural settings very much different from our modern world. These compositions together have a purpose, and it's not to teach history or science, but rather to reveal things about God and His purposes regarding humanity and each human being. These are things of the spiritual realm and are beyond the sensory world, which is the focus of science. The key message of the book is that there is no discord between the actual observations of science and the actual assertions intended by the biblical authors. And I emphasize the biblical authors, because we often add a lot of interpretations to what the Scripture says. Mm. Now, we need to understand the obvious fact that the Bible comes to us from an ancient cultural context. Mm. The message itself is eternal and transcultural, but the context is ancient Mideastern culture. Book cover illustrates Augustine's classical notion of two books, the book of nature and the Bible. According to Augustine, God's the author of both. These two books have different purposes. 
but are never at cross purposes one another. As Augustine taught, any perceived cross purpose is an error in interpretation of one or the other of both books. Both are sources of knowledge and are full of wonder to the eyes of faith. More than meets the eye is meant to convey this sense of childlike wonder to the reader. So that's what the book's about. Thomas, when it comes to writing books and being published and all of that, have you ever done this before, or is this your first go? This is my first go, but except for, you know, like journal types mm-hmm. of stuff, but never this type of thing before, like for the general audience. Well, it can be quite the learning experience, which I'm sure you realize. Yes. Based on everything you went through there, do you have any advice that you could throw out there to the first-time authors? Well, yeah, I think if you have something to say and you want to say it in a certain way, you know, a certain genre, let's say, then just start writing. You know, nothing can happen without starting. And then, you know, like I found out, other people will find out you'll likely modify, change it. You might even restart as you go along and as your thoughts take form. But the important thing is to stick to it. What are the chances that you would do it again? Have you thought about writing more after this? I have. I do have some ideas kind of on the back burner, kind of thinking about them Hmm. right now. I haven't started anything. I'm interested in education and helping science education, particularly at at like the high school type of level. Hmm. So I've thought of doing some work in that area. And I've been thinking of some other books too, but nothing is ongoing right now. Hmm. Well, I think this is a book that is really going to help and enlighten a lot of people. Again, it's titled More Than Meets the Eye, A Scientist's Journey of Faith. Again, it's written by Thomas L. Larry, Ph.D., and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can get it everywhere, Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, anywhere you pick up your books. Thomas, thanks again for coming on the show, telling me all about this book. I had a nice time. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.